Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, episode four, and we've technically been going for uh, four months, I guess. Is that, yeah, four, mo- four months. So, what a month. Dude, it's an anthology. Yeah. Um, but I like that, you know, I feel we've three months, three months in quarter quarter through 2021 there has been a pretty solid there were those few weeks in a row in i think it was mid-feb to early march that everything came like almost everything we're going to talk about today came out in like those couple weeks it was wild it's been a it's been a grower not a shower so far 2021 (laughs) that's the name of the episode um but yeah i guess welcome to episode four of here wax two it has been a while and we're using that time and in this new episode to kind of talk about what we kind of consider to be i mean i guess we're not even necessarily going to be talking about you know the list we are talking about are kind of the ones we've been listening to the most but i think one or two might not necessarily be like you know, the absolute top of the list, but we feel they're the kind of the most pivotal releases worth talking about so far. And, you know, a couple of these were really, really kind of bold opening statements for 2021. And yeah, we're officially, we're officially a quarter of the way through. So we wanted to kind of talk about in no real specific order, although I know that you have a absolute favorite of the year so far i don't really have a defined number one yet i kind of i didn't i didn't know i made that clear yeah you did is it it clear for you oh okay oh i did i did yeah i did (laughs) i wrote (laughs) you wrote you wrote in the notes the big boy so far (laughs) my favorite of the year so far so i feel like it was very obvious that explains it yeah Yeah, that'll do it yeah but yeah, I think there there are kind of, you know, five, I don't know, six with a couple others, like main kind of albums of the year so far that we've been really, really enjoying. And in a 2021 with metal's most prominent story being that the guitarist of Iced Earth was a part of the <laughs> Capitol riots and that like one of the members of the Mis- of Misfits might be like a, a, a witness in the trial. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I saw that as a headline the other day. Admittedly, I did not read the article, so I feel like I'm part of the problem with the internet. Is that yeah, like everyone just? Yeah, it's just I saw the headline and that was truth enough. Yeah. But that that's kind of the most prominent metal related news of the of that's, 2021. That's what's broken through. Yeah, that's what's really broken into the mainstream. So we wanted to make sure to give a couple albums, kind of their their props or you know, they're, they're worthy discussion at the very least uh, of the year so far. I don't know which one of, you know, the albums you kind of wanted to start, start with. Um, Cause again, we're not really doing a ranking so far, more just our kind of key releases. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter, man. I'll, whatever. Uh, I, I think it's w- one of the f- best opening quarters not that i ever really think of you know years in music in those terms but i don't know one of the best opening quarters i can remember in a long time like it's been a great 
start, really exciting start for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, yeah, again, there were those few weeks in Feb where, you know, cause you and I kind of keep that list, like that release schedule list yeah. and yeah, it was stacked like three weeks in a row. The only, the only thing that sucks about that is sometimes, you know, I think all these, al- most of these albums came out in those couple of weeks and you kind of, you only get like a few days with one before the next week comes out. And you're like, well, something new to, that I'm really excited for too. So yeah. that's the only thing that's a bit like un- unfortunate is that it was almost like so stacked and, you know, looking forward, I, the next month or so also looks pretty good, but there aren't any real major releases announced past kind of May. So it really does seem a loaded first half. Now things get released in such short order now, like things will be announced and then released within like a month or two. So I'm sure we're going to see a great kind of second half as well. But this first, yeah, this first quarter, which normally I wouldn't break things down with, but it's a perfect way to break down a podcast um, has been really good. Now I feel like the kind of headliner here in terms of noteworthiness and, you know, it's not our necessarily our favorite so far, but the most noteworthy is the new Genghis Tron yeah. uh, dream weapon. It's, I really like it. And I know you and I had this discussion a few days ago. It's simultaneously hurt and helped by the fact that it has the Genghis Tron name on it. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very different and yet not that different it just takes certain elements of the band that existed uh what 12 years ago is that was that 2009 was the last one or 2008 right i think it was 2008 okay 13 years ago so it takes certain elements that existed you know on board up the house and uses those as the main focal point so you know the perfect example of that is that middle section that kind of hypnotic section on the title track of board up the house and that's kind of what informs i don't know 80 percent of this this new album so it's really i found it like i listened to it with like you know really good headphones and letting myself kind of immerse myself in it and the layers to it are are pretty impressive there's so there's so much going on to kind of dig into uh but it, it does sound kind of like like not a lot happens over the course of the album because it is focused on this kind of hypnotic repetitious uh, kind of, kind of elements, more atmospheric. There aren't those kind of moments of chaos that break through other than like, you know, the one track that kind of sounds Dillinger ish, but mm-hmm. you know, I think it's helped it, what gets at the attention that it's kind of been getting from like, you know, it has crossed over into the stereo gum and I think pitchforks talked about it and stuff. So it's crossed over into that. What what's helped that is the Genghis Tron name, but what might hurt the album. Like if I heard this album with the name of a band I had never heard of before, I would probably have listened to it like a lot. And because it has the Genghis Tron name on it, I'm I, as much as I like it, there's still a part of me that's like, oh, I was I was kind of hoping for a bit more, a bit more chaos, you know? Yeah, I think that I think you're hitting on my biggest. I think the thing that it's not a sticking point. It's just 
the thing that I'm kind of going around and around in my head on about the album. And, and that's a good thing. That means it's, it's, it's in my head and it's not, you know, the worst thing is for a comeback album to kind of, to kind of come and go. Like, uh, you know, we were big fans of the fall of Troy mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And when they were coming back with a record five ish, whatever years ago, you know, it was cool. It was like really cool. And, and this, this isn't even, by the way, this Genghis Tron album is an even more like an even larger gulf of time between the last release and then the fall of Troy one. Yeah. But, um, but that fall of Troy album was fine. You know, it was, it, 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 it sounded like the fall of Troy. And then I kind of forgot about it after a listen and, and that whole big deal of them, that band coming back from the dead, just kind of dissipated almost instantaneously. It's like I got what I wanted and it didn't really matter. I guess that sounds pretty dramatic. I mean, it's by no means a bad album, but in this case, um, it, it is sticking in there. It is, it is staying with me. Um, and, and what I'm asking of myself and of the record is, has been, who is this for? Um, and, and the obvious answer to that, is, as always, is it's for the band. They made it. And because it's this kind of music, you know, I don't think they had these dreams of huge commercial success. So it's not like they were making it for uh, as a product. But so, yeah, the, the obvious answer is it's for the band. It's what they wanted to make. And it's, it's what engages them. You, you know, you'd hope. Uh, but the, the difference is that the first three Gangastron releases were definitely for fans of like that relapse records style of uh, left of center metal bands. And, and you brought up Dillinger's K plan. That's the most, uh, that's the best sort of. Uh, yeah. They were like an electro, like an electro Dillinger for like the, for la- lack of a detailed description. That's how I always kind of viewed them like Dillinger plus electronic drums. For and sure. And, and, synth. Yeah, yeah. Like I was uh, 15, 16 when Cloak of Love dropped and and I was just like, oh, this is, uh, I I think it was the novelty of it. Not to diminish it. I I listened to it in preparation for Dream Weapon and I was like, this really holds up. It's it's a really strong piece of work. And uh, it's it's, all the things that are strong about Genghis Tron were there from the beginning. Uh, But I'll have to admit to, to me as a naive 15 year old, being attracted to Cloak of Love, Genghis Tron era was, oh, um, the, 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 the audacity of trance and trip hop and uh, electronica meshing with grindcore and uh, sort of proto, in certain styles of metalcore and stuff like that. But Dream Weapon is, is for Genghis Tron fans most of all, other than the band, it's for Genghis Tron fans. So it's not, um, are you a fan of, of like tech grind from the mid 2000s, like relapse records style, weird grindcore stuff? It doesn't fit into um, like a hashtag for people on Bandcamp that are looking for like that kind of Dillinger escape plan type stuff. It's, it's for people who are very versed and familiar with Genghis Tron style. Yeah, I mean, I, genre. I don't know. I, I agree to a certain point, but I do think if you if you are a fan of Genghis Tron from kind of Cloak of Love or Dead Mountain Mouth, 
and say board up the house came up and you're like, okay, like this still has enough of the, you know, there's an evolution here and, but there's still enough of the kind of, you know, heavy shit. I, unless you've moved at the same kind of pace as the band, like 13 years later. So perhaps you've gone from, you know, what crusty teenager to, to what, like, maybe you own a home if you don't live in Toronto, maybe you own a home Distinct, and like distinguished adult. Yeah. Like if you've moved at the same pace, I do feel like it's, it's an evolution or the, the album kind of makes sense. And you're probably like, Oh cool. Gangastron's kind of evolving in the same way that I have, but it, it's, it's toy story three. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was our first episode? It was, what was Dune again? It was like, defeated what was, was defeated, defeated sanity, sanity was Dune, defeated yeah. sanity was dune and uh dream weapon by genghistron is toy story three but we're like like the we're like the graph orlock of podcasts here <laughs> yeah but like i so i do agree to a certain point it is for genghistron fans i guess because you're gonna listen to it because you are a genghistron fan however if you're someone that's into more like i don't know synth synthy driven heavier music and i won't even say metal because like i don't think you have to be into metal to like this album i i think it does have kind of a bit of a wider appeal that might bring in other people who would then be shocked to go back and hear like a dead mountain mouth you know yeah yeah I, and i kind of want to I, I well i definitely wanted to talk to you about like could could you recommend this to someone who never gave a shit a about Genghis Tron or b like I don't know experimental left of center metal in the first place like yeah. like Joe on the street who I, I don't even I don't even know what to compare it to but that's not to say it sounds like nothing I've ever heard before it sounds like a lot of things I've heard before but. I, I, I couldn't really fit this into like, Oh, it sounds like this band, I, you know? Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like Genghis Tron, but just certain elements of thir- Genghis Tron from 13 years ago. Like, again, it sounds like those more atmospheric hypnotic sections of board up the house now stretched into kind of a full album. Like even, even the song, Oh man, I'm so bad with titles. Black, was it black point? Something. The one that you mentioned was like kind of the, the metal one that I said sounded Dillinger-ish. The, one they, the, the bone they threw <laughs> to uh, single, to single, the... single black point. Single black point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know even that one that has this very like ironworksy, yeah. like Dillinger kind of main rhythm. Even that is done repetitively and hypnotically, and it's clearly on purpose. I just think it's a very interesting. It's very interesting because you know, you, you mentioned it to me that, you know, it's there, there's no, there aren't those chaotic or like crazy screams or, or riffage like you would be used to on, on past Gangastron albums, but you can tell that it's written by people who have that affinity or used to write that kind of music. Now, now maybe write something slightly different. But I certainly wouldn't go around telling anybody like, like I'd recommend this album to a lot, a different crowd than I'd recommend past Genghis Tron to. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that for sure. And I think with time, 13 years, uh, 
the the best has kind of floated to the top so to speak um the aspects of their sound like it sounds familiar like this this feels you know like coming home it is different um but it, it isn't it isn't a complete revelation um if you're familiar with gangustron and and i think that's because their their strongest elements uh if it was like a a big soup before of a bunch of different stuff um this is much more focused and the thing that made them you know it, it might be hard to pick out back in board up board up the house or dead mountain mouth like what is it that makes this band special might be hard to isolate a single element hmm. on this one you can it, it's kind of made that more obvious and i think it's it's this really great finely honed sense of layering melodies uh, having like a really big picture view of of composing these parts that that layer on little details bit by bit and and develop them over time um, like you you use use the word hypnotic that's absolutely i would use that word 100 uh and, and triplets lots of triplets yeah that's their that's their thing and and it must be fun for it so they have the baptists well this he's like the drummer and everything <laughs> so but baptist is the band i and sumac i guess he's in the air uh yeah uh, the the isis dudes uh band sumac right is that what the band yeah right yeah, yeah sumac yeah we were talking about triplets. I feel talking like I feel like just for some context, let's let's play like a section, maybe from like the first single of this because the first single they released of this album, uh, I remember us messaging as we were listening to it, being like, "Wait, is this is this board up the house? Like, did they take that section and turn it into a whole song?" And like they basically did and kind of confirmed in an interview that it's all kind of on purpose that it is like self referential to a certain degree. So we're gonna play just a kind of a snippet of uh, a track from the new Genghis Tron album. Yeah, so I think kind of hearing that you get to that level of instead of just us talking about it being hypnotic, you start to understand kind of that the the repetition of those kind of triplets. It does have this really, you know, if you if you're listening with kind of good headphones, especially, I think you get kind of immersed in the layers of what's what's going on. And if if you're kind of new to them, although I, I would suspect if you're listening to this podcast you're probably not new to Genghis Tron but if you are listen to that and then go back to listen to their kind of first album uh Dead Mountain Mouth and you'll hear kind of a very different band from 13 years ago you, uh, you raise a you raise a, an interesting point though and I, I've been 
warmly shocked at the at the kind of rallying for this album because it has been 13 years and I feel like just so many trends have come and gone Mm, and yeah. for the press for the press to kind of really fondly remember this band and lift them back up uh i i did not expect that and it, it's kind of this really nice i'm not yeah. even in the band it's not like i oh thank you i'm not thanking them but but i i feel good on their behalf if that makes sense like it's kind of cool to see no we never forgot about Genghis tron they only did two full lengths and disappeared for 13 years but yeah they had a limited a limited kind of run before stopping too it's a good point as well that it's kind of interesting it's not like they you know whatever were like a metallica you know it was like they put out two full lengths and dead mountain mouth is not very long so you know one kind of full length with board up the house one that's an lp but it would almost exist as an EP for a lot of other bands. And then Cloak of Love is a definite EP. And that was kind of it. But I think sometimes that almost helps helps bands. I think, you know, they're on relapse, like you said. So you're on relapse, you put out and relapse during like the heyday of relapse when relapse was kind of pushing the genre of metal mm-hmm. as a whole kind of forward. And they kind of created this, a bit of a legend around themselves because after board up the house, there was a period of time where, you know, it was like, Oh, are they're going to come out with something new. And then that went away for like five years. Then it was like, Oh, Genghis Tron might come back. And then that went away for a couple of years too. And then now finally it took 13 years. And uh, yeah. And now, now we're just waiting for glass casket to do the same thing. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then we'll be happy. Get on uh, guys. Yeah. So I think the next album we're talking about, and this is where we get into like a definitive kind of favorite from the year. Uh, is ad nauseum and that was a, that's another and i can't i'm not even going to start to try and say the title of it because the title of it is absolutely ridiculous um but it's that was another album that that band teased the release of for like it was on our upcoming list as i kind of mentioned before alec and i have this list of upcoming albums and it was on the list at the bottom as like a tb tbd for like release date for like, I don't know, three years, two and a half, three years. Cause they had announced on their Facebook page in like 2018. I think it was that there, something was going to be coming out soon and it took until yeah, Jan or Feb of this year for it to come out. But this is a, this is a band that I find takes that whole dissonant off kilter. I, you, you have a, you know, you have an issue with the idea of experimental, so I won't use that, but kind of unorthodox uh, dissonant death metal. And, you know, for me, they do kind of accomplish some new things that I don't hear from a lot of the other bands in the genre. So say like an ulcerate, like I much prefer ad nauseum to like an ulcerate, for example. But for me, they, they just do it all so phenomenally well. I find like their riffs to be the most hard hitting and interesting. I find um, their ideas just to be kind of like the most exciting of this, this genre. Cause you hear a lot of ripoffs in this genre of like, I think last episode we talked about some of those bands that kind of rip off the ulcerates and the portals, uh, you know, of the last, last few years. But I find ad nauseum to be kind of the most, the most exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very, I've, I've been really tapped into this 
this specific avenue of death metal for for a long time like we both have this will sound really douchey but like the artistic high point so to speak and when you're young and naive that can automatically mean better and then as i think i've gotten older i really like a chunky slammy death metal band yeah uh, just because it doesn't have this kind of grandeur about it doesn't mean it's um it's any lesser but you know i'll admit that i, th I think i was drawn to this music because over the years because it, it felt like it was dabbling more in sort of a modern classical tradition and therefore had a bit of i don't know a bit of uh, a, i guess i consider it like a connoisseur's death metal album this this particular one and and it's it's really representative of that style um like it's just so well conceived the songwriting is just so enjoyable like just so rewarding and enriching uh like the uh, the harmonic shapes that they're going with on this one are they're really rich and deep um so it's it's just it's just like a really high quality piece of work across the board and just kind of immediately enjoyable uh, if if you're familiar with this stuff. Uh, but it, it did open up, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it. It did open up some kind of thoughts that I, I've kind of been trying to form about this style of music for a while. I guess I was I was a little and uh, I won't say triggered, but like inspired, let's say, to think about it by the press release that I read initially and in my memory I have it like they're saying this is the cutting edge of the avant-garde and uh, nowhere in their press release does it say that <laughs> so I'm not claiming that they do but um also I... we just had okay metal band press releases are the best they're so funny like they're always so exaggerated like don't and I love a lot of the bands that have these exaggerated press releases, but it's always like from the bowels of hell <laughs> come <laughs> come the newest brutal death metal from with with guttural vocals that you've never heard before and drums that'll pound your face in and then you listen to it and it like sounds like kind of most other bands in that genre and that's not to say it's good or sorry that's not to say it's bad it's just the descriptions are always kind of off the wall so it, i mean it, one it is kind of funny that you imagined like you like mandela affected like half mm -hmm. of the press release yeah, but that's this, true this is your berenstain bears this um, <laughs> is. Is, is the press release for the ad nauseum record which i confused the title so the title of this album just because i kind of skipped over it is imperative imperceptible impulse so it's a little bit ridiculous the the album title i had that showed up in my head was the one from 2015 so their previous album yeah it was like so latin long or something yeah, so that's another kind of longish lay layoff. It, it was only six years, which feels like nothing compared to 13 for Gangastron. But this was an album that we, I guess, it's not going to get the same long time, long, uh, you know, break hoopla that Gangastron got. But this is one that you and I had been waiting for kind of for a while. Um, and it's interesting. I do understand kind of where you're you're getting to with the the idea of it being avant-garde or experimental because like like i was saying i don't think it's you know when they came out six years ago with that last album it mm -hmm. felt 
it felt pretty, I, again, I won't say new, because I think this kind of sound of like this dissonant death metal has been around longer than that. And I think you have some examples, but I it did feel fresh. Like, I, I don't think this album, I'm not going to go out and claim that this ad nauseum album feels like I've never heard this before. I just think it's doing this the best out of any band I've heard over the last kind of little while. Um, it's, it's just the ideas within this sound and this kind of, you know, gore guts influence. If you think of this in like a, in a hierarchy, like a, like a tree, it's like, this is all under the big kind of the head of this tree. The angel on this tree is gore guts. Yeah. Obscura. Uh, is yeah. And I just think, of all the bands to kind of do this in the last while, this album just just hits it pretty perfectly throughout. It also has some of the most insane kind of leads, but buried with like on top of like layers and layers of stuff. Again, listening with good headphones to an album like this is kind of essential because you hear so much stuff going on. Oh yeah, it, and and um, it has a very like um, what's the saying like on the floor or off the floor or whatever. Like like it was obvious. Um, yeah. Like, like they were obviously all in a room. Do together. it live. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, 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 but it, it's so rich. Like there's nothing bleeding into uh, the other, like it doesn't sound like a live album, but it does sound like everyone is uh, bouncing off of each other. Yeah. It doesn't sound like every deathcore album nowadays, which is like all recorded oh, yeah. in like each string of the guitars recorded individually and yeah. like, stuff so that everything is in its own small pocket it's like that's clearly not what's happening in this recording yeah for sure it's it's very mtv unplugged um (laughs) but uh yeah i i don't know how much this actually matters to the music it probably doesn't but like you said when you look at it like you you kind of start to go to look at this in the same way that um blood incantation is spoken of and blood incantation is spoken of as like, you know, keeping the old guard alive. Yeah. So to speak, like keeping the old traditions going. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not laying this on ad nauseum, but bands of this style, I think there's an expectation or a sort of belief that they represent the opposite, uh, that they represent like I said, the cutting edge and they will push the boundary and treat uh, the rules like gum, elastic, pulling it apart to suit their needs. Mm. And in reality, you know, Fast Ite, Maledicti, whatever from Death Spell Omega, that was 14 years ago. I, I don't see any device on this record to have advanced beyond what that album was doing 14 years ago i don't even really see this you know any device on this record advancing beyond what was done on obscura 23 years ago like we talked about right i do think they have advanced as artists within their own band i think this is like a highly polished piece that is just so refined and and well composed uh, but in terms of the big picture, that like the ball has not 
been advanced along the field. And, and we're, we're getting into decades now, you know? Um, so, so they're completely comparable with something like uh, blood incantation because in a sense, they are also holding the old traditions, right? And it's kind of a misuse. And I, I'm not saying the band is claiming to do this, um, but I'm saying in, in the larger discussion around this kind of music, you know, your ulcerates and, and decibel omegas and, and whatever else. And, uh, and, and the newer bands that are kind of playing in that, that style. Um, I, I think it's disingenuous to consider it experimental just by virtue of the fact that, oh, it's dissonant and it's through composed and, um, you know, there's odd meters. Like these are things that we have become accustomed to now for decades, right? Yeah. But I like, yeah, I guess it's what role or what, what criteria are you putting an album up against? Like, like you're saying, they're not really claiming to like do any of that stuff. So I find it hard to kind of say like, like the album, I love the album probably because I'm not putting the filter on it of like, is it moving the genre forward? Um, Mm -hmm. I think we, we might've touched upon this. I know you and I have talked about this in general, but I think maybe in episode one or two of this, we talked about, you know, maybe as we're, you know, getting older or have listened to the genres for so long, like how much further, like can things be really pushed or how far can they really go? Like there is a limit to all this stuff. So I feel like I'm very comfortable and happy if a band does something that I can kind of, that I've heard and can kind of recognize, but they just do it better than anybody else. And I'm not, not expecting anyone to really push this genre, like of, so say specifically kind of this like dissonant death metal, technical death metal. I I really don't have expectations of anyone pushing it to like new plate. Like you said, like, you know, kind of pushing the ball or whatever, taking, taking the torch and, and kind of running with it. I just want people to do it better. And that's what I find this is. I agree. I think that's the point I arrived at for yeah. myself um, is, is, is just enjoying this and, and just really engaging with this, not because it's weird and crazy, uh, but just because it's just such a strong part of this canon now. Like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about this five years later as like, oh yeah, that was, you know, alongside a uh, bearing teeth and yeah. And, and, and other bands are just like, yeah, that's one of the classics. Like that was one of the real, one of the real uh, greats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, let's play a little quick kind of snippet from this too, before we get into our next album. So here's, here's a snippet from uh, the newest ad nauseum album where you can start to hear, you know, just maybe an element of this kind of dissonant uh, technical death metal that we're now agreeing while it doesn't do anything particularly new for the genre uh, is kind of the maybe a close perfection of it.
So coming out of that ad nauseum album, I feel like we're on this track of bands that hadn't released things for a while. So I think it gives us a great opportunity to talk about one more that uh, before we talk about, <laughs> before we talk about a band that can't stop releasing stuff, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a band that much like ad nauseum hasn't released a full length since 2015. Uh, and that last album was, had the very succinct title of I'm going to kill myself. Uh, their newest album is called songs for the enamel queen. Uh, and the band's called black sheep wall for, for me, I've always had this vision. Like you kind of have whatever these archetypes are very quick reference points for bands in your head. All I've ever thought about for black sheep wall is like heavy, like not, and not just like, like deathcore breakdown heavy, but just the band is heavy from the, the sound to the lyrical content to, uh, I mean, the last album title, as I mentioned, um, like just the, the content of the band overall is super heavy. Like I, uh, when I was just trying to remember the exact discography earlier, I went on like metal archives and they have like lyrical themes for like bands and their lyrical themes were depression, self-hatred, negativity, pessimism, and nihilism. And I feel like that sums them up pretty well. Um, That's my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, the band, like, super heavy, but then also this kind of, there is this flip side, like, emotive side to them. And I find that also really kind of comes through on on this new album. Like, but this new album, like Songs for the Animal Queen, I think is by far my favorite album from them. Like I always liked them. Yeah. But this, it, it just was like, it was really surprising to listen to it. It was, uh, I found the songwriting to be kind of exceptional. It just went places almost like, I don't know, there were just elements of like almost like post hardcore kind of heaviness. And again, that's why I say heavy. It wasn't, it's not just down-tuned heaviness, which there is still plenty of, but there's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a big, it's another like essential, like good headphone listen. Because their, their heaviness, sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. No, their, their heaviness feels like the kind of heavy, like as if the, the recording process can't even contain it. Like, um, like that, it kind of, I don't know if it's still going strong, but that kind of trend in rap that there was for a while where there was like intentional distortion from clipping yeah. to kind of, to impress upon you how like ferocious this, this bass was, or this, this beat was. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think Black Sheep Wall really do that. Like, it's not like you hear these artifacts of, of um, recording, but it kind of has that quality as if like the, the recording process can't even um, handle how much this is crushing you mm. yeah yeah that's that's interesting i mean they've just they've always been a very unique band to me so it's it's interesting to talk about them in contrast to what we just said about ad nauseum because i feel like i've never really I, I mean i'm sure there are bands that do it now but when black sheep wall first kind of started becoming a thing with like I am God songs in like 2008, it was like I had never heard. I, it's it's funny we're talking about them in such a singular way. They're heavy, 
which is like very true, but like, I've never heard a band like them, even though if you ask me to describe, give a detailed description of them, I don't know how much else I could come up with, with other than like, they're really heavy. And then they also have some like heavy emotional parts too, but they're just, I've never really heard a band and I, and they're, they don't sound identical on this new album, but I really like where they've gone in the six years since their last album. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I love their trajectory. Like they started in like cowboy times uh, before like gent. Yes. I'm going to use gent as kind of the seawall here or sea Perfect. change. Yeah. Um, and, and there are bands that like were, I, I got here like, you know, we love sixth and uh, I forget if you were into them. I, I know we definitely talked about them, but fell silent. Yeah, they were cool. I mean, fell silent for me. The only thing that always, I, I, I can still remember is just, I got frustrated by like, they always just had like one guitar playing a rhythm and the other one doing like kind of dissonant leads over top. And that was kind of like their thing. If I, I feel like correctly. they wouldn't really, I feel like they wouldn't really stand the test of time now. Uh, yeah. But, but, but at the time it was novel and, and Tesseract, I feel like they're kind of bald. They've been balls for a long time, but, but that first yeah. sort of inkling of Tesseract back in the day was, was cool. I think it, it, the, the common ancestor here is, is Meshuggah. Um, but these bands that were, you know, mid early to mid two thousands metal core that were, reaching out a little bit across the aisle into the kind of prog territory um style of of heaviness um that was that was like oh this is this is going to be good Ooh, is, yeah metallica james hetfield Ooh, yeah it's like yeah. How, everyone, how everyone felt before load yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was excited yeah <laughs> give me fuel um, give me fire give me that which i desire Ooh. <laughs> so so i am god songs was in that time you know in that in that crucial sort of before the oh you know what maybe that didn't end up being so great it kind of really uh, commercialized and well, not that commercializing means bad but made it made a commodity of i guess i should say uh that's yeah because don't forget the biggest band from that style of music was like periphery and still is and they've always done that post mashuga genre better than 99% of the other bands because they at least had you know so many of those bands just are like oh the thing that makes mashuga mashuga are like rhythms so we're just going to play rhythms so this is this was my beef with like a fell silent was like we're going to play rhythms and then we're going to have leads over top and that was it versus like a periphery had riffs still still do but like they have riffs and like sections to songs you know, and choruses and like, they, they actually took it and did something interesting with it. Anyways, I know this isn't about periphery, but I'm just saying. It's so tempting to talk about that first periphery album. We should definitely do it one day. Uh, yeah. It, it was kind of the, the beginning of the, that end. was a monumental. Yeah. Oh, but that was like yeah. a monumental thing. Cause we had heard so many of those tracks just online for like a year or two before. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. We, we definitely got to talk about it one day. Cause it's such a great, because it feels a little embarrassing, oh, periphery, you know, there's a bit of a stank on periphery, um, by no fault of theirs. I mean, I feel like they're, they're musicians of integrity and have stayed true to what they set out to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you'd have to admit it's a bit, it's not the coolest thing nowadays to, uh, 
to be a fan of periphery, whatever that means. Um, but yeah, back to Black Sheep Wall, uh, they, they had like that, that, that uh, strategy, uh, that heaviness strategy, let's say, uh, was out of the, I, I think, out of the Meshuggah playbook. Uh, they, I don't think they sound like Meshuggah, but um, the, the, the tactics employed to achieve that sort of brute force shit were those, you know, mm, mm, that, that polemetry, that, uh, that really, um, I don't know if they play extended range guitars. I wouldn't be surprised though, but they, but they had that like raw emotional hardcore energy of like a, of a cave-in, you know, or a, um, it's probably a better example than that. Let's say misery signals like a, like a, yeah, like, like, a, like a really like died in the wool late nineties metalcore kind of, uh, intensity. Yeah. But I do find it, I find the, it's interesting because I personally, now I, I understand it when you just said, you know, it's more about the tactics they employ. I personally never made that Mashuga, like post Mashuga kind of connection with them. Now I can see it again after you saying it. For me, they were always more like just one of the better sludge bands. Yeah. Sludge, other than like a, a, you know, I think other than like Thou has been kind of a relatively stale genre in a lot of ways for a long time. Uh, But they were always sludge but they just did things in sludge that you just don't hear they didn't give a fuck like ever and yeah kind of kind of punk right it like it's like punk, punk. Yeah. very punky sludge yeah yeah for sure and this uh this this new one um is is the most that <laughs> you know uh and and I, w- I was a big fan i dropped off in between i am god songs and i'm going to kill myself but i, I did come back from i'm going to kill myself and i thought that was that was a quality piece of work. I was a big fan of it uh, at the time, and and I revisited it recently. And this this is really a fantastic album. But this um, this new one just outclasses it. Songs for the Now Queen just outclasses everything they've done. Uh, it's just such a like. Uh, it, it it and what's crazy is it's like the the same core trio of musicians. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I'll, I'll say that. They were kind of a, you know, every few years I do the big kind of going through my music collection, like on I, on iTunes and and stuff. And I guess now it'll be whatever I have added to my streaming service from now on. But, you know, I do that purge every few years. And I, and I remember seeing Black Sheep Wall and kind of my library and being like, yeah, I don't even know if I need to keep this around anymore. Like, I feel like I had kind of, moved past it yeah. but the new album's so good that i'm like this is definitely one of my favorites of the year so far like that's how good it is if you think of it, it's just such a great evolution it's it's very it's just very interesting it's very still like insanely heavy mm-hmm. um but a really strong yeah i like what you said the kind of i'll be interested if they release another thing in the next couple of years they always seem to have quite a while in between like album releases i would be intrigued to hear how they kind of progress because i wouldn't be surprised if they can go keep going more into the cavenish direction yeah than the kind of sludgy 
mushuga e place where they started. If you're thinking of that as part point A and cave in as point B, I feel like point, I would be interested to see how close to point B they get kind of with a, with a next album. Um, I guess for, again, for some, some context before we move on to the, uh, the next album, here's a little snippet from the newest Black Sheep Wall album, uh, Songs for the Enamel Queen. Yeah, I, I just want to also make a note because I talked about ad nauseum, um, you know, kind of kind of sticking and sticking to the uh, the format. I do I consider this record actually to be quite experimental, you know, um, that, that has yeah. that has what I'd consider to be a really experimental quality. There there's uh, there there's these uh, approaches to rhythm that I found. Uh, like really novel, really uh, fresh. Uh, like I, I don't know enough to to say, but if if it's like if it's a metric modulation, but there's these kind of like really um, elastic. There's this elastic quality to some of the the the, the meters um, that they nest within other meters. It's it's a really yeah. weird approach, and um, I don't want to call. Oh, it's so uh, disorienting. It, it's not. It's just this this like kind of completely new thing, kind of similar to like like kind of a weird uh, comparison, but like liturgy's approach to blast beats, like um, it, it's it's this kind of, oh, you know what? Like this makes perfect sense. This is a blast beat, but it is, it is such a kind of unique interpretation of it. So when these guys do grooves to these like dang yeah. heavy, yeah. like, and, and let's be clear, like I am God songs style, like punishment, like that is still present here. Uh, if not more so like they've they've perfected uh that uh, which is something I, I would be kind of concerned about like oh are they going too much into the kind of esoteric to like do that stuff so no it's like it's still like the dankest breakdowns in imagination right yeah yeah um so we've talked about kind of three three albums that from bands that have taken some hiatuses Hiatuses? Is that the plural of hiatus? Hiatai? Hiatai. Hentai. Hiatai. So I, the kind of contrast to that is a band that, I mean, we mention every single podcast, which is kind of hilarious now, uh, but is the new, is the new Kralis album. Uh, they don't take any time off, uh, unlike all these other bands. Like, I think the amount of content Kralis, like, <laughs> the amount of albums Colin Marston has been involved with 
since the release of the Gangastron album. I, I should have actually done this as like a fun fact, but I bet you he's been involved in like what in 13 years, like 50 albums, probably at least like the guys well, well, as a, as a composer musician or, or, or in, yeah. or in general, I just in general, I think, like, it's like, well, I think it'd be in the hundreds then. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just the guy stays busy, but you know, they, um, they released, you know, the first episode of this pod, cast we did our favorite albums of 2020 and Krauss had an album on that called mass cathexis and whether it's covid boredom or the fact that uh colin marston has a studio he needs to pay for whatever it is he stays really busy and makes sure to release albums for Bandcamp fridays uh relatively frequently so they had a surprise release of their newest album called demonic wealth and what they announced it i think on the monday or something like that and it was out due out on the friday something like that uh, something like that and it's i was a little surprised by how much of a departure from mass cathexis it was now i know we've talked about and you'll you'll dig into this a little bit, but you know, they have different songwriters that kind of influence releases and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of this almost cooperative approach to music, which is very kind of interesting. And the way their sound has evolved over time is quite interesting, yeah, but you're not sure who you're going to get. Yeah. And the new one was a, was very different from the, you know, while mass cathexis had a lot of elements that were kind of like a, an ig uh hur ig hur i can't i don't even know how to pronounce let's it let's go with that. My, yeah my favorite album of theirs this is this sounds just very different and i don't even mean that in any sort of negative way it was i was just shocked by even how it's recorded uh, i think you mentioned to me that and i didn't know this because i was like oh the vocal sounds so kind of raw and like buried in the mix and you're like oh yeah they recorded those in a car in a walmart parking lot uh it's one of those like i guess due to like covid they just wanted to make sure to be safe most but the, album, the most true thing imaginable imaginable well yeah and it has this i mean the album as a whole has this kind of it, it's interesting it has a very raw feeling but not like it's not like raw black metal like that's like a genre it does not sound like that but it has this just like rawness this kind of yeah this kind of quality to it that i didn't i didn't expect but it's really it's a really like fun record for them it has these like like almost 80s ish early 90s ish influence on it um and that's kind of i you're you kind of know the ins and outs of all their their kind of stuff a bit more than i do so i'll let you kind of take it from here but i i do i was really surprised by it it sounds nothing like my favorite kraus albums but i really like this album it's really uh it's really good and an easy listen for them which is kind of a funny phrase but yeah it was weird to listen to a Kralis album and like get the riff right away yeah <laughs> yeah like i'm like oh I, I understand what this riff is and it's uh it's stuck in my head but like after one listen like i could i could remember the hooks um like after I finished the album, which never happens with Kralis because there is so much like polyphony um, 
density, density. Like so much yeah yeah uh yeah i think i think like this is kralis's first real like necro album uh like going going with that i think something a lot closer to like the platonic when i say platonic i don't mean i don't necessarily mean like what you hope it is but like and I also don't mean that it's cliched, but kind of where my, my mind immediately jumps to when I think of black metal, um, this album sounds the most like it than anything else they've done. I'm, I'm not trying to use negative uh, descriptors here, but you know, uh, kind of, and I, and I hate the word lo-fi, but I don't know how else to put it, like quote unquote yeah. bad audio. Uh, yeah, comp- compromise. Lo- lo-fi. Yeah, it is lo-fi. Yeah, I guess it is. So right? not in a bad way. Not in a bad. But not in like uh, I'm not. You don't listen to it, and you're like, uh, like this. This sounds bad. Yeah, it's like, a, it's it a huge part of the charm of black metal. Yeah, uh, and the, and the identity of it is this is that, you know, what I'll call the cassette tape quality. Maybe that's a better uh, way to put it. Uh, and, and and it's kind of it's it's kind of exciting for Kralis to kind of finally take the jump because they've always been black metal. I'll never take that away from Kralis, but I think they themselves would be the first to admit, like maybe we're not black metal. Who fucking cares, right? Um, maybe we'll do a bit of a death metal thing for five minutes, and then but but they there's just something that always brings it back to black metal, and it's always been hard to put a finger on what it was. Uh, across their discography uh, it, it, you just they're, felt- they're experimental because yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the word of the this episode but like you know when i talk about my favorite album of theirs <laughs> ig ig hur uh it's <laughs> it's uh like yeah i guess i just say they're a black metal band but like that album does not sound like any sort of black metal that i no otherwise like it's like technical experimental blackened death metal kind of but also just like progressive metal with lots of interesting idea like yeah it's not like there again i would just call it black metal for like an easier descriptor mm-hmm. to people and you're right in that that black metal has always been a part of every album they've released, no matter what sound or what songwriter has been kind of the lead. But the new one is the most true TRVE true uh, kind of release. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it and it it leans into it in such a way where it's like kind of it, it leans into the things that when I choose to listen to black metal and for the record i'm a big casual when it comes to that stuff but i do enjoy um the the camp of black metal and i and i have uh endearment towards it It, i I legitimately enjoy it i don't i don't listen to it out of irony i do like this kind of macabre almost like gothic symphony feeling and uh, even though there might not be a symphonic element to it because i know there is symphonic black metal i'm not i'm not saying that necessarily but a like like a moonlit kind of gothic kind of poetic over the top 
like Bram Stoker's Dracula, like something almost like romantic, like romanticism. I, I really appreciate that about black metal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that quality, which, which is not, which isn't like the war metal thing and isn't either that French nihilistic satanic thing either. Um, but I, I do legitimately enjoy this kind of, this, this silly kind of uh, chamber quality from a band like, like I'm a big fan of this band, uh, Obtained Enslavement. Uh, and I was like really stoked because I, uh, I was, so I love metal band names. <laughs> we have to do an episode where we talk about our favorite band names and album names and stuff. Cause obtained and I like, you're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm like a fan of this band uh, called obtained enslavement. And like, <laughs> we're saying that like, it's a normal sentence. Yeah. I've become very aware of that in my, in recent years of like saying these words out loud. It, it felt so serious when we were younger. Like, yeah, that's a fucking that's a serious ass name, but uh, now it's like, oh God. <laughs> I, I had an album on like my release or on the release list for us. And I don't know if I had sent it to you once I added this, but they were called uh, Biomorphic Engulfment. That's and a I'm good just name like, actually. I like that name. I'm, I'm like, these names are incredible. Like that takes a lot of uh, creativity and probably weed to come up with. <laughs> like the names, the names are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're the, uh, I think it is, it's the title track, the title track of this record. So Demonic Wealth, uh, it starts out, I'm like, this is really obtained enslavement. I, I don't know if that's intentional, but um, it has this, it's just this demented concerto kind of feeling. And, and it, there is like a cheese factor to it, but it really works. It uh, In a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. It, it really, it, or um the, the third track, I think it's still, the track still, there's this um, kind of synth part where it's like, like something out of like a John Carpenter early 80s horror movie kind of thing. But it, it just, it's so like um, disturbing, <laughs> you know, even though it's so cheesy, I, I still feel very alienated and very in an unfamiliar place with it, you know, even though I should kind of, chuckle at it and and take it as something kind of goofy I, I really don't they found a way to really make it they, they really tapped into into the into I think on this album more than any other like the really enjoyable parts of black metal that really endear you to it despite its reputation for being you know grim and frostbit and all that kind of stuff yeah I mean a part of that that helps is you're listening to that something that is kind of cheesy within the context of it being a Kralis song or band. So yeah. there's all this kind of like history and context and bias that comes to it where like, if you're listening to a new band do that, that could potentially be off-putting. Like, you know, think of, think of all the stuff that like, I'd still consider. And again, here's another band we bring up on every pod. I would still consider between the bear and me, probably like my favorite band or one of them. Mm-hmm. And they've done stuff on record that makes me viscerally angry. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, because it's within angry, the, yeah. yeah, but because it's within the context of the band and stuff, I like, I still, I still listen to the albums knowing that that part's coming and I'm like, you know, what, whatever, like that's, it's the context within like the band has earned it for, for us. Like the people who, you know, listen to Kralis. Yeah that kind of part like they've earned the right to be able to do that part and if it doesn't totally work you're still like ah eh, that's okay 
kind of thing versus brand new band. And that would be, if that was one of the first things you heard from them is like that section in the middle of it, you'd be like, this is kind of corny or cheesy or yeah. whatever. But, you know? but for me, I, I think it, it is like, it does resoundingly work. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of surprised at how little I need to kind of be like, ah, oh, this isn't, this, this might be a bit silly. It's like, I guess that like that synth part I was talking about, like, like in, in theory, if is silly, the way I'm describing it, I'm, you know, could be considered silly, but it just works so well. Like there's just something about it. I can't, I can't, it's, it's, it's something you definitely got to listen to and feel out. And that's a perfect segue. Let's, let's play that. Let's play that snippet so that, everyone can know what we're talking about. There you go. Kind of what I wanted to talk with you about is I, you know, I'm a, I'm a stand, so I'm on the Facebook waiting for news on, on the album. So I'm, I'm kind of keeping track of the comments. So the band uh, commented prior to the release, here, here's the recording details. Uh, vocals recorded in a car uh, by a Walmart parking lot. Um, <laughs> drums, drums were, were improvised and recorded on an iPhone. And okay. That makes sense. So I didn't know that I knew you had told me about the Walmart vocals thing. The drums thing is really interesting because I couldn't figure out, uh, you know, when I listened to it the first time, especially the intro track, cause the intro track starts with this kind of this drum, I'm going to call it a drum riff because I don't know how else to kind of describe it. That didn't always, it like lands in like different places yeah. each yeah. time it's like the same rhythm and the same idea but it lands and like certain things are emphasized and i was like for it to be on record and for them to release it it clearly has purpose and intention but it's it's very interesting to hear one that it was improvised the iphone thing is interesting i mean that gets to some of the recording kind of quality comments like again it works for what the genre is mm -hmm. but it's so it's so funny because you could have never done that for like mass cathexis it wouldn't have worked for what that music was or for 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 igor uh that you couldn't have pulled off anything like that because of yeah. the density of those kind of albums in terms of what's going on and kraus has been kind of tough like they've been really robust uh, yeah, like they've been a really robust metal band, especially since Yigher. Okay, it's not, it's not Ion Dissonance or or Black Sheep Wall like we were talking about, but it they, they feel muscular. Like it, it feels like a really strong 
presence. And this one, again, this is part of the, the newness of this record. It feels very brittle in comparison. It does. Yeah. But is that just because of the, again, like the drums were rec- recorded on an iPhone? Like, it, but it that's a purposeful, they clearly intended to make it this way. And I wonder what led what. Did, did them knowing what their constraints were with putting out a new record with COVID and everything kind of going on, uh, did that inform the music? Did they go, okay, well, we know we're only going to be able to record it like this. So what if we made kind of more of a low, low-fi, again, not as a negative descriptor, but a low-fi more direct black metal record what led what is what i'm kind of intrigued by well i think Uh, i think you're on i definitely think you're onto something because that was my feeling that was my takeaway from the record is i feel like this is going to be for me probably the quintessential covid album um because there exists outside of the actual music let's call it the diegetic music, this kind of outer layer of it, which of, of meaning, which, which is about um, isolation because on the band camp, they say recorded in isolation, released in isolation. Like this is obviously an album. Yeah. Whether or not it appears in the lyrics thematically about isolation and the isolation that we have felt uh, over the last year. And the, me- the medium is the message, bro. The medium is the message. Absolutely. This is a perfect case study in that. Yeah, it really is. I, everything informs that. And it, 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 I don't know. It, it, I feel like it just adds this really powerful quality to it. So even though I said it's brittle, you know, sonically, as, as a lot of black metal is, a lot of black metal is quite brittle. It is, it is like bolstered by this really powerful theme behind it which and, and i feel like um you know because kraus is really strong when you have three strings players playing together and like weaving in and out and bolstering one another um but this is kind of like all these guys are exposed right they're alone and mm. their contributions are um vulnerable in light of that i think right yeah that's interesting. I, I think it's a really powerful aspect of this record that, that that will become even more pronounced as time goes by, I think, and listening to it more. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, you're talking about the recording process. I, I, I believe this is like a, a real feather in the cap for Marth, Marston to take these like quote unquote inferior sources like an iPhone recording or recording vocals on a car. And I, I don't, sonically find this compromised i find it actually one of the better more like audiophile kind of experience like i i listen to this with my good uh headphones like my my the ones that i reserve for those kind of experiences and and yeah it's like a really rich uh, well it's flatter it's it's mm. flatter as a result of like you know most audiophile kind of equipment has a flatter kind of sound stage right like so many headphones nowadays and I, you know, I use these kind of headphones for like running and going to the gym are like really focus on bass because so much music that people like nowadays are like bass and kind of energy based, Mm. but the album suits an audiophile experience because it is a lot flatter. Uh, The drums aren't kind of coming in from underneath you like they do on, you know, more meticulously modern produced stuff 
it's everything's kind of on a flatter soundstage. I find yeah. like when I picture, when I picture, I, I don't know when I look at the album, like thinking back to listening to the album in my head, I see it as this kind of, I don't want to say it's not dynamic. Cause again, we're almost using negative descriptors, but in a positive way, but it, but the soundstage isn't dynamic. It's very all kind of along a much flatter plane. And again, I don't think that's a negative thing for it. I think it actually suits what's going on because I do find that a lot with more lo-fi true black metal. It, that kind of music is flatter, you know, it doesn't have that big lower end and those kind of like shrieking highs and stuff like, although I guess black metal screams sometimes do, but you know, the music itself. And I think this album kind of suits that experience too. Yeah, for sure. Um, as always, we've talked the most about Kralis. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do just a couple quick one-liners and you can quickly respond to a couple other albums of note. And then we'll finish with kind of the other major release of the year for, I think both of us is, is probably my favorite of the year so far but I'll just do a couple of quick one-liners first. So some other ones we wanted to mention uh, in passing is things that have impressed us is the new uh, Stort Rain. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, I think, right? I, I would guess it's a, yeah. That's how I've, I've said it. But in terms of, you know, sometimes I see things tagged like melodic death metal and I get turned off uh, because a lot of like what's melodic death metal is like, you know, there are just choruses that are melodic with like leads and that's it. But this album was, it was really impressive to me um, just in terms of, I mean, it was, it is quite, quite tech, but the melodies, the, what, what is melodic about it is a lot more interesting than what I'm used to. So I think that was, that was a very impressive release. Yeah. Think, uh, think hyper, well. hyper Opeth. Yeah. That's a great description. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to give kind of a quick nod to the new ominous ruin. This is the first uh, and not to be confused when we were talking about kind of like the ad nauseum, like kind of dissonant technical death metal. Ominous Ruin is more like that riffy technical death metal um, in the kind of vein of origin. It, it sounds like peak Willow Tip. Like it's like the best Willow Tip release in a while. Yeah, it's, up, it's up to their standard. Yeah, it, it was like, it made me smile a lot. It's really fun. The riffing is really intricate. Uh, yeah, I think it's peak willow tip for the first time in a while. Personally, yeah. um, it really, really hit, uh, uh, biz, <laughs> biz Bay. Is that, I actually, it, it's, um, there's some crazy accents and stuff, right. In it's throughout it's it. bees by I think. Wow. I was not close at all, <laughs> but very, uh, what, what would you go? Brutal prog almost, uh, Def- definitely, maybe br- definitely, definitely brutal prog is the perfect. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely insane rhythms and ideas. Uh, you know, it gets a little bit more into a little bit more traditional prog in in certain places. I'd say the only kind of downfall of the album is that it's 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 hard to like re-listen to it like soon after listening to it because it is a lot. It it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, they they're they're a band known for having two drum sets, so kind of similar to Upsilon uh, Hackrux. Kai, Kai Lessa. <laughs> Does Kyle Lessa have two drums? 
Yeah, oh, I, didn't I saw that. them li live once. They had two drummers, and I was like, it makes it sound really beefy. Yeah, but they don't really, they don't really uh, utilize it in the same way that like, uh, yeah, Upsilon Acrux does or well, there's, or there, this band. Yeah, there's a band called also Year of No Light. They're kind of like a post metal band, and they yes. they, they do they do what I imagine Kylesa does, which is like not a lot of back and forth kind of combinations but more like let's just double emphasize the heaviness kind of thing uh, yeah like kylesa would have one drummer like maybe doing slightly different things to add in some a little bit more like texture and interest but for the most part they're playing they're just there to make that back end of the band sound thick yeah you know but this 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 bees bayet um that's it's like true polyrhythm so it's it's true truly layering rhythms and, mm -hmm. and therefore it maybe has a claim maybe outside of car bomb or some stuff jukeite does like has a claim to being the most sort of rhythmically uh out there chaotic stuff i've heard they might they might have that crown um yeah so yeah if you're a king crimson fan if you're a if you're a brutal prog fan you'll you'll definitely like bees bayet it's new uh i think it's the sense of an ending is the name of the record um another one just a quick one-liner before we get into kind of our last major release of the year was uh, a band called Null or Noel. i don't know Man, i'm just bad with pronunciations today but it's uh it's produced by kurt Ballou of you know it's a good follow-up to our last episode talking about the history of death wish uh but it's kind of you know it is kind of like tech death, but more in that punkier hardcore way that like, I think when we first listened to it, you mentioned like animosity as like a, as a comp it, that's definitely there a little bit. You also mentioned yeah, it, does sound like, Arbor. it does sound like animosity. Did I say that? Yeah. You said that initially when okay. we first chatted about it because it, we kind of found it um, by accident. It was just kind of one of those things that showed up on, I think it was invisible oranges. So shout out that blog. Cause they help put us on a lot of stuff, but yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, really interesting riffs, uh, song times that are a lot more familiar for like a hardcore kind of punky fan, but I liked the animosity comparison, uh, and also dendritic Arbor, which there's a band that if you have never heard of them before, they released an album a few years ago that again, kind of came out of nowhere and surprised Alec and I, that band's awesome. Uh, so those are those are some other kind of noteworthy things from the year. Oh, but our last, sorry, if the if the idea of Kurt Ballou producing technical death mm. metal does not in any way excite you, I don't know what the fuck you're doing listening to this podcast. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good descriptor of what the band sounds like. Yeah, too. Like can that's I, actually a perfect. Yeah. Can I just throw in one more that I I I, I just wanted to make mention of quickly? Um, there's this dude on YouTube who does these um it, it's a cool channel i just want to shout it out because it's, it's really well done like he actually he's like a music phd and he'll break down like bands of this of of, of what of the style that we've been talking about you know it, it doesn't have to be like super technical or, or progressive metal bands but you know significant bands that have been doing interesting things for the last 10, 15 years, he'll cover and he'll talk about from an, a, like a, a theory PhD perspective. And it's surprisingly unpretentious. It's really well done. Um, he put out an EP with his band uh, called Florid Ecstasis. 
Um, and it, it, I just want to bring it up because it's kind of cool to have an album where someone puts their money where their mouth is. You know, like they mm -hmm. talk about all these these things, and then oh, you get to hear it in execution in a in a, in a really experimental uh, death metal project. So that's it's really worth listening to and following that channel too. Florid Ecstasis, man, these band names are fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, you shout out. I'm just gonna throw out a couple of quick other ones. A uh, band called Carcinoma. It's basically like if Portal was good. That's how I describe it. Uh, that's what Carcinoma is. That's fine. Uh, and then, uh, whatever. And then also uh, Lilat Continuum for the more like, you know, kind of spacey, space sci-fi influenced kind of progressive technical death metal. I really enjoyed that album too. But the last kind of one that's kind of a big boy record of the year is the newest uh, Suffering Hour, which is called the Cyclic or cyclic reckoning man my pronunciations today i but think that, i think it's, i think it's like tomato tomato man i think cyclic and cyclic are are interchangeable i i think okay well That's i was right man. twice then let's go with that <laughs> but this is i mean this is a band that you and i saw live what two three summers ago now i don't even remember how long ago that was it might have been exact, oh yeah it was it was in march it was in march of 29 2018 no Oh, dude, it must have been 2018. That's... No, it must no, it must have been 20. I don't know. That's good. But, that's fucked. But this band, I, I've always one thing I've always loved about them. Somehow it works is that they do the like kind of corny corpse paint thing, but they're definitely more of like a death metal band. Like they're a black metal influenced death metal band, not a. Oh, so you find metal. you find them death metal front and center. Yeah, I do. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, like I think they're blackened death metal, not like death metal influenced black metal oh we're because i i'm like of the mind that they're like kind of one of the rare bands that are like a 50 50 split like i can't land on no. either that's just that's just well, that's me. that's interesting maybe when i listen now i'm gonna view it through like a different lens but that's how kind of my i mean i think the newest album too although yeah i'm gonna have like an inner dialogue about this i think after the this pod but this album, I think, is my favorite of the year so far. Mm -hmm. It's at least, I mean, I don't I don't know if I have like a number one of like the ones we've talked about. There kind of is like a three-way or four-way tie. But this album uh, is, is just, it's awesome and surprising in like ways I didn't expect them to kind of go after their last, their last record. Uh, the, the most notable thing kind of <laughs> about this album is it has the most interesting lead guitar sound i've ever heard on like a death metal or black metal album yeah the, the choice of this kind of yeah goth rock or like i don't even know how else you would kind of describe it but this kind of gothy atmospheric shoegazy kind of guitar lead sound that's used consistently throughout you know wouldn't, sometimes wouldn't be out of place in like the cure or something yeah, and it's like you'll hear you'll hear bands experiment with lead guitar sounds or whatever, but usually if it's this kind of band, it like changes song to song. Like they might try something because they think that suits the part, but because this album does have this kind of the sound throughout of this kind of, you know, we'll we'll call it the 50-50 death metal black metal split sound. It was a very interesting choice to have this yeah, gothy 
lead guitar sound throughout. And it provides this really interesting element that I've, I've truly, I don't think I've ever heard before. It was, it was the most, it was honestly shocking when I, when I first heard it, but it's, it's awesome and used so, so well. And especially cause some of the leads do have, are still this kind of like death metal or, or something you would hear in a black metal song as a lead, but now it has this gothy tone to it makes the album that much more interesting to listen to. It's already super enjoyable. The riffs and ideas are, are like phenomenal. It, it gets pretty tech in some of the ideas in places um pulls in some of that dissonance is it it even almost like beach boys (laughs) like i'm just trying to think about that tone i I, I don't even i don't even know that's we'll have to whatever or something yeah like whatever clip of the album we we kind of put in here it has to be it has to have that lead guitar sound just just so people understand the contrast the contrast that's at play provides it's so fascinating to listen to um and it just makes those lead guitars so much more, so much more memorable. But yeah, this is, I think, I think this is probably my favorite of the year so far. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how much more I'm kind of dominating the conversation about this album. I don't know how much more no, you have no, to say no, about it, but. No, I think you're spot on, dude. Like it, it is, it is a level up from the last one and the last one was great. Uh well, it was so good. We, we wanted to see them live. Like we don't go to a lot of shows anymore. We're, we're too old. So, <laughs> yes. so for us to want to go to a show, um, I'm and trying to remember who else was playing that Cleric, show. But Cleric, we, Piron. Uh, okay. That's, that's a pretty awesome. That, that that's was, a pretty awesome. That was lineup. a stacked show. Yeah. But that's but a very stacked show. I think you and I were like, love cleric love Piron, but kind of want to see suffering hour most curious well, they, about they just hour. write awesome they just write awesome riffs like yeah like in passing ascension and then they did that i mean we saw them before they released that like one track ep in 2019 but they just write like some of the best riffs like they're just they're the riffs that are heavy and meaty while still having really interesting like dissonance and, and technicality to them but are just like it make they kind of make you do the stank face because they're just like oh yeah. like that's a that's a that's a dank riff. They're so enjoyable that it in that it almost undercuts everything about the band and what they're going for. Like in another life, these guys would be producing a Britney Spears album because they would just have such a sense of what is aesthetically 
strong, you know, and like has so much character. And, 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 and this isn't to say that the riffs aren't, you know, you're, you're in the death metal realm and have dissonance and on, on paper, you're like, yeah, that's, that's an evil riff, but there's such, um, such a unique voice to it that it's just a joy to listen to. Like it's, it's, it's enjoyable. And I, I yep. approach it the same way. Like I'm a, I'm an Ariana Grande fan now and I like J-pop and shit like that. And it's like, it's, it's in that sphere for me of like, this is aesthetically enjoyable to me rather than, well, this is serious and meaningful and cathartic and emotional. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, that they have the corpse pain and they have like the spike gauntlets and, and shit like that. So um, I get that, you know, there's that kind of, uh, superficial scary aspect to the music but um, man I, I just dig it in the same way I dig any kind of pleasing music just because these riffs are just so well conceived and have so yeah. much character yeah I think that's that's a great kind of summarization it definitely is and I think that's I, I kind of mentioned or where, but the riffs just some of the ideas just make me smile while listening to it which is you know you know not always common for listening to kind of metal or like heavier music like you said normally it's almost like a catharsis to to listen to some of this stuff this is this is not that well it's yeah just their, like, their press release is like oh this deals with themes of uh like metaphysical nihilism or or suicidal i'm like not not this is my summer mix but this is yeah. my, I'm going to the beach and I'm putting on suffering hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it has like, of all the albums we've talked about, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear. And maybe this is why there is a bit of a tie between them. They all have very different places in, you know, you think of music and albums and stuff, having almost like different purposes or, or different times when you would listen to them. And I think these, I guess five albums. So, you know, as a summary, Gengistron, Ad Nauseam, Black Sheep Wall, Kralis, and uh, Suffering Hour. Those are five, you know, some genre crossover in between a few of them, but all scratch very different itches and do very different things and have different purpose. Like they, they, they hit different moods. Uh, even though I would say almost like Suffering Hour and Ad Nauseam are the closest for what they are like sonically to yeah. me. Although yeah, I guess Suffering true. Hour kind of exists between Kralis and Ad Nauseam, but Ad Nauseam and Suffering Hour came out also like one week after each other or the same week or something like right. that. So there's this kind of closeness that they have in my in my mind and when I go to listen to them. But yeah, Suffering Hour, I'd give the the fun out of those five, the fun label too, yeah. which is, which is rather funny to give to a band called suffering hour. And maybe that's probably maybe not the vibe they like want people to have off of it, but sorry, it is, sorry guys. It is fun. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Fun hour. Right We're going to ask them to change their name. Write a fucking, I don't know, Britney Spears album or something. Once she's free, let's get them. <laughs> let's get this collab going, you know? Yeah. Shit. Hashtag free suffering hour. I'm there for it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of our summary of the, what we're kind of considering the big albums of the year so far now that we're, 
yeah, first quarter 2021 is done. It's gone by pretty quickly, but these albums have kind of helped us, you know, cope a little bit. The next little bit, I'm looking at my, you know, trusty little upcoming albums list. There's some really good stuff lined up for April. Uh, May's looking pretty good so far as well. Um, just as a quick thing, I think the album I'm most looking forward to is that Obsolete, that band Obsolete. Um, mm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. I, that stuff's cool. Yeah, that's, that's, I've, you know, this is the first time I'm hearing them. I'm incredibly excited to hear what a whole album sounds like. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I haven't really heard, I haven't heard riffs like that in a while. I know we're talking about Suffering Hour having these amazing riffs, and they do, not to take away from them, but the Obsolete, stuff the two songs they've released are this kind of technical straight ahead death metal with this kind of thrashy quality to it like it just hits you like a thrash record would but in, instead it's these kind of off the wall tech riffs so yeah i i'd highly recommend I, that's coming out on april 19th i think that's the one i have circled the most but yeah the next little bit looks stacked and hopefully it kind of continues the trend we saw in in the in the first kind of quarter of the year. Yeah. I think it's going to be a hot girl summer for sure. Thank you for listening to episode four. I believe we are at now and yep. we'll, uh, we'll have something new for you relatively soon. And maybe we'll do, you know, we'll do the periphery episode or we'll do the best album and band name episode, but we'll, uh, we'll do another one soon. We got some good ideas. Yeah. Couple, couple. 